Al suggests that this could be a three-word podcast. Draft Carlos Santana. Draft Carlos Santana. That could be your strategy. We're talking catchers here on Thursday, March 1st. Carlos Santana, is it safe to say he's head and shoulders above the rest? Yeah, maybe even part of the upper torso, too. I would say certainly in head-to-head, more, even more so than Roto. He played 155 games yeah. last year. That well, that's that's the thing about it. It's it's a playing time thing because when he's not catching, he's playing first base, and it's a walks thing. He had 97 walks, which was top 10 among all position players, and this is a catcher, so it, it's it's crazy. And and just to you know not to go too far down this road, but just to show how much more valuable he is in head to head. I took him in the second round yes, in our head-to-head did. draft. Yes, you did. The next catcher didn't go until the eighth round, and I was still pretty happy taking Santana when I did. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things I highlighted when I was doing my notes, looking at the difference between the Roto drafts and the head-to-head drafts. And Yeah, you took him in the second round with the eighth pick of the second round, and then three catchers went in the eighth round. It was unbelievable how, how much of a gap there was. In the Roto draft, Santana went in the third round, middle of the third round. No, first pick of the third round, I think. And then two catchers went in the fourth round. So you don't, you don't think you reached? No, I don't think I reached. I, I didn't expect the next catcher to go until the eighth round. Um, and if I could trust that that was going to happen again in my next head-to-head draft, I, I might think, I might wait until maybe the third round to take Santana, but since I can't necessarily trust that, I, I think he's definitely the best option by far at that position in head-to-head. Well, he was about 50 points better than the next best catcher last year, which the, was there you go. Mike Napoli. And, and and here's the other thing. He hit about 230, yeah, yeah. which I don't expect him to do <laughs> over his career. So if anything, he's only going to get better. Now, in a roto league, Al, that yeah. batting average, does it scare you? He was still uh, – Victor Martinez was uh, was obviously in the mix last year, and he's not this year. So that's why Santana is in a world by himself. But in a roto league, does the batting average scare you? Okay, maybe it'll go up, but yeah, how much? Um, probably not a lot. I, if it's more than 20 points, I'll call it an upset. So I, I, there's room for a little bit of batting average growth there. But even though he's got decent contact skills, that's just not a, a category where he's probably going to be much good. Okay. Well, we got a lot to talk about today. We want you in our podcast league. We want to devour you. And I know you guys want a <laughs> shot at you want a shot at the the two experts and the host guy who just listens to the two experts. So join our podcast league. It's a 12 team head-to-head points league. We'll do the draft sometime this month because it's March already, March 1st, and we got to get going on that. So um, maybe I don't know what next week we'll pick uh, the entries. We'll pick Let's the, say the contestants. Next Thursday. All right, one week from today. We're already in the triple digits with entries. So let's uh, keep them coming. Fantasy Baseball at CBSInteractive.com. That's our email address. Fantasy Baseball at CBSInteractive.com. If you want in the league, put Podcast League in the subject line. If you want to ask us a question for the show, just put Podcast in the subject line. Don't combine the two emails. Um, follow us on Twitter at CBSFantasyBB. At Al Melk, CBS, Al M-E-L-C, CBS, at CBS Scott White, at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R, and Facebook.com slash CBS Sports Fantasy Baseball. Quick time out. I see what you did yeah. here with the podcast notes. <laughs> Quick time out from catchers. <laughs> Just in case anybody's interested, and Mets fans, I think, should be interested. Ruben Tejada note from New York Post. Uh, Ruben Tejada, a 360 on base percentage last year. This is a quote now. It doesn't seem like much, but he had it in his age 21 season. 
Just seven shortstops in history, minimum 350 plate appearances, ever had done that at 21 or younger. One, Donnie Bush, had a long but undistinguished career, while the other six ranged from above average to historic. John McGraw, yep, that John McGraw, Alex Rodriguez, Rafael Fercal, Arky Vaughn, Rogers Hornsby, Pee Wee Reese. <laughs> so that's good company for Ruben Tejada. So that means either he's going to be a Hall of Fame quality <laughs> shortstop or a really good manager. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, I guess, does that mean anything to you guys? I think it is an attempt by a New York writer to uh, rationalize the loss of Jose Reyes and, and how the Mets really aren't going to miss him that much. No, it wasn't like that. It was just a, <laughs> note. It was just a note. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised until I saw it was prior to age 21 season. Honestly, how many shortstops, how many any players come up? that young and are playing regularly at that point so he's not alex rodriguez he's not even rafael for call um (laughs) he's uh proven yeah (laughs) on to the catchers let's read the top 20 here and their values in an auction carlos santana number one at 27 dollars brian mccann at 20 mike napoli 20 alex avila 20 joe mauer 19 Buster Posey, 18. Miguel Montero, 18. Matt Wieters, 17. Russell Martin, 12. Jesus Montero, the rookie, 11. That's your top 10. Carlos Santana, McCann, Napoli, Avila, Maurer. Posey, Montero, Wieters, Martin, Montero. Uh, Jesus Montero. Uh, number 11 is J.P. Aaron Sibia at $11. Yadier Molina at 10. Wilson Ramos, 8. Giovanni Soto, 8. Kurt Suzuki, 6. Salvador Perez, 6. Jonathan Lucroy, 5. Devin Mezzarocco, 4. Salta Lamacchia, 4. And John Buck, $4. There's your top 20. Deeper, shallow position, Al. Deeper than it's been. It's still relatively shallow, but uh, it's gotten a lot deeper. Um, you know, we were talking, I think, before we started recording, saying, you know, well, you can draft Carlos Santana or draft a chump. I said that. You know, that was hyperbole. It's, it really is not true anymore. I, you know, Santana's clearly in the class on his own, but there's a bunch of guys in a large second tier that yeah. are pretty good hitters. I, I think calling it deeper shallow makes a big difference in the format. As we saw there with, uh, with our head-to-head mock draft, if you can get the second-best player at the position in the eighth round and it's, it's you know, an all-star caliber guy in Alex Avila, it's hard to say that position is shallow. But when in a roto league, when you're starting two catchers, yeah, there's going to be a good number of teams starting a complete scrub in their second catcher spot. Right. So let's talk strategy then in roto leagues first, because you have the two catchers. Now in our roto league, I bid heavily on two catchers. I got Miguel Montero and Mike Napoli. Some guys in our league have terrible catchers. Um, I'm going to have a big advantage over a lot of guys at that position. What do you guys like to do with uh, with catchers in roto leagues? In most leagues, uh, most years, I should say, um, I, I pretty much just just take whatever's left. But I think this year is a good year to to kind of do what you did, since there is so many good options out there. A good uh, nine, I count, that I would consider high level options. Uh, getting two of those nine, I think, gives you a distinct advantage over a lot of those teams that are going to either have to start one scrub or two. So I had come into that auction with the same plan you did. Um, none of them went for enough of a value that I was willing to actually follow through on it, but I did get um, Jose Montero, 
who I consider one of those Jesus. nine. He, yeah, Jesus Montero, who I consider one of those nine, and uh, Wilson Ramos, who's one of my breakout candidates. Okay, Al, what's your strategy in a roto league? Yeah, I you know I don't think I put quite as much of a premium on getting that second guy, and you know the way that I look at it, I've got a, a list of eight uh, that I think are way above the rest. And I just think that it's too much of a sacrifice to go for somebody who's maybe your sixth, seventh, eighth guy um, at, at another position. So even though it's a big drop-off, I'm more likely to target somebody who's at the top of my second tier as, as my number two catcher, which is still pretty good because you're not talking about the 13th or the 14th best. You're talking about maybe the ninth or 10th best catcher. But uh, you're not going to have to expend as high of a draft pick on a second catcher. And, and I just find that when I'm in an actual drafting situation, that there's, there's some position of greater value that I need to, to fill when that, say, number eight or nine catcher is, is available. And what is your strategy in a head-to-head league where you only need to start one? Uh, well, there, you know, the, somebody like Santana really comes at a premium, and not just <laughs> get because Santana. Of, yeah, get That's Santana, <laughs> and I mean it's doubly so because his skill set with the high walk rate and the decent strikeout rate, you know, plus everything else that comes with it, uh, makes him so valuable. But you know, that said, there's guys, uh, second tier guys that I yeah. really, really like a lot, and you know, I'm sure we'll get around to talking about them. So it's I wouldn't go after Santana in a head-to-head league with the same urgency that I would probably pursue somebody like Jose Bautista or Evan Longoria. Okay. Um, I think other when I miss out on Santana because obviously, you know, you might have to invest a second round pick in him, and I'd still take one of the elite three second basemen over him in the second round. I'd still take uh, Mark Teixeira or Prince Fielder over him in the second round. But uh, and so if you miss out on him because of that, um, there's a lot of fallback options. Any of those nine, a guy I like. Obviously, I just mentioned him earlier, Jesus Montero, uh, especially for head-to-head leagues because being the full-time DH for Seattle, he's going to get a lot of the at-bats that so many of the catchers who have to sit every five days are going to miss, and, and those at-bats make a bigger difference in head-to-head um, than than Roto. Plus, he's looking like a pretty good hitter, too. So Yeah. Well, I read the CBSSports.com top 20 catchers. You're talking about nine Al, you're talking about eight, so I want to see where the differences are. So let's unveil the tiers, Scott. Why don't you start with your tiers? Carlos Santana in a tier by himself. Um, Originally, I had a huge second tier, but I've since subdivided it, putting McCann, Napoli, and Avila uh, alone in the second tier. Uh, The third tier now is Joe Maurer, Buster Posey, Miguel Montero, Matt Wieters, and Jesus Montero. And the reason I, I kind of removed Maurer and Posey from that second tier is because I, I think there's some risk for both coming back from injury. I, neither is neither has, has early in spring training has shown to be such a certainty to bounce back that I'd, I'd that I'd be willing to rank them with McCann and Avila and 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 even Napoli, who I think it, there's the potential there for him to get more at bats than the standard catcher too. So, um, those so, so those would be again. my. Santana in, in Tier 1, and then you've got McCann, McCann Napoli, Avila in Tier 2, and then Tier 3 is Maurer, Posey, Montero, Weeders, Montero. <laughs> okay. And then... Uh, so no Russell Martin in there. No Russell Martin. There, There is a fourth tier. Um, if Russell Martin, J.P.R. and Sibia, Yadier Molina, Wilson Ramos, and then after that you're looking at sleepers or scrubs. Okay, Al? 
pretty similar. So I've got uh, the Santana tier all by himself, and then I have a really an undifferentiated second tier, which is McCann, Napoli, Avila, Maurer, Posey, Montero, Weeders. But listening to Scott and thinking about my draft so far, if I'm really honest and realistic about this, I'm really putting uh, Maurer and Posey at the bottom. Of mm-hmm. that tier, and maybe they belong in a in a separate third tier. So who's ahead of Mauer and Posey so for McCann, you? So uh, really in, in, would be in this order: McCann, Avila, Napoli, Montero, Weeders, and that's I'm sorry, Miguel, Miguel Montero. Montero. Yeah. So, so you don't think Jesus Montero is in that tier with those guys? Could very well be, but I'm not going to draft him that way. A um, little cautious with a guy with very minimal major league experience, and you know, see how he plays in in Seattle as well uh, in that ballpark. Any big differences in head to head? Versus Roto, not not in the upper levels, uh, not much. I mean, Avila is a little bit better in head to head, but not you know really worth noting. Uh, well, I just did, but uh, <laughs> uh, in terms of guys who are uh, better in um, in Roto, Aaron Sibia, uh, yeah, Aaron Sibia because of the the power. Um, even though the batting average is, is a liability, uh, he does rank a little bit higher in Roto because of his power and, and run production. And then um, also Jared Saltalamacchia for the same reasons. And then yeah. in terms of head-to-head, um, really you have to go pretty far down the list, but um, Kurt Suzuki and John Buck fare a little bit better in head-to-head. Yeah, yeah. well, Aaron Sibia is interesting because he is top 12 in Roto. He's 11th in our rankings, and he's 14th in head-to-head. So and, it could and, be, make a difference. Something I should point out with Suzuki, I feel like obviously there's no steals at this position, really. Uh a big reason Suzuki creeps up in the head-to-head rankings is is that at-bats issue. So the guys who you feel like are going to get more at-bats, that's where you see the biggest difference in head-to-head and roto value. And same with Buck as well. If you don't get Carlos Santana, who are you targeting? For me, the guy I really like is Alex Avila. Okay. Um, I, you know, he's not alone. I, I like McCann too, but I think in terms of where he's been going and how long you can wait, uh, Avila seems to be that bargain guy for me. He just doesn't. People don't seem to be taking his 2011 season very seriously. So you like him better than Napoli? You said right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I do just overall, and in, in terms of again drafting him at a point where I think he's a value, uh, I, I like Avila. Yeah. Well, looking at the average draft position in mock draft central. Uh, weird that he's going in the tenth round, and Napoli's going in round four or five. Yep. Um, but I don't think I wouldn't consider that typical, would you? Well, I think one one thing I I would point out is that um, this kind of gets in the roto head to head discussion. Napoli is going to hit a ton of homers. Yeah. And there's no matter what else happens for him, he's going to hit a ton of homers, probably thirty, and that would lead the position. So just that total number of home runs that he's racking up is going to to separate him in 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 roto i feel like um regardless if he ends up getting only 400 at bats or regresses to hit 240 again uh i think just the fact that he's going to have potentially almost twice as many home runs as avila is is a reason you see him separated so much in the rankings there uh when would you take alex avila then what's not too early I'd say eighth round for sure. Like when Scott was talking about that eighth round run, um, he's a guy that I would look to, you know, as one of the first catchers off the board. Um, in in our head to head draft, he did go in the eighth round. In our roto draft, 
He well, let's see. Mike Napoli went in the fourth round. Brian McCann went in the fourth round. Maurer in the fifth. Posey in the sixth. Weeders in the sixth. So okay, it does look like Avila seventh round. So middle yeah. of the seventh round is that? I, I I could see doing that. I would say okay. definitely by the eighth you got to take him. I I personally probably would target him sooner, especially if I saw if I saw guys going off the board in the sixth yeah. uh, round like Weeders, I'd be itching to get uh, Avila before somebody discovers he's still out there. I really don't have any doubts about Avila statistically. I feel like a lot of that is people thinking he's a regression candidate just because he kind of came out of nowhere. I I had him lower going into the offseason, mostly because he was so bad in the playoffs with the knee issue. But over time, that's kind of become a non-issue for me. And I I feel much better about him today than I did at the beginning of the offseason. Who are you targeting then if you don't get Santana? Anyone in particular? Well, Who's your Alex Avila, Jesus Montero oh, okay. is is the main one I talked I about. Guess, yeah. I, I think I, I would be happy if any, with any of those second or third tier guys if they fell to a certain point. Um, but usually I, I end up getting Jesus Montero because he falls the farthest. Uh, if I if I have to go beyond that, Wilson Ramos, a guy who hit uh, eighteen homers, I think it was last year in. Less than full time at bats most of the year. I, I think he has the potential to take a step, another step forward now that Pudge is gone, and uh, and could next year we could be talking about him among a group of uh, ten catchers at 15, the top of this position. Fifteen home runs, 15 but home only three hundred and eighty nine at bats. Yeah, that's very low. Uh, okay, well, you know, we've we've covered a lot, so. How about we look at, just real quick, dual position eligibility. Only Napoli and Santana are both eligible at first base. You're going to want to play both of them at catcher. Let's expand on some of these guys in case we haven't um, you know, touched on everything. I think we talked enough about Carlos Santana. Brian McCann. He was seventh in head-to-head, eighth in roto last year, but we like him better than that. Yeah, just the consistency. You, know, you look even in what you know Scott and I have both called the second or second-slash-third tier and, uh, you know, Maurer and Posey, we both downgrade because of the, the injury risk. You know, Weeders is a recent breakout. Um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of questions here. McCann is a guy who delivers yeah. every single year. Yeah, That's- the consistency. I, I've never had McCann on a fantasy team because I'm never willing to go for him as early as I need to get him. I like catchers who have the ability to get at bats somewhere else. And obviously playing in the National League... Uh, you know, he's not going to play first base ever. McCann doesn't have that option. So he's limited to the 450 at bat range. And, and, and that's fine. I just, uh, particularly in a year like this, when there's the Alex Avila's and the Matt Weeders and the Jose Montero's to fall back on, I, I just don't end up taking him. And Buster Posey, by the way, we can add to that list too, even though he's an NL guy. Um, again, assuming a, a reason, you know, reasonable comeback health-wise, he should get a lot of, a, a lot of starts at first base. Not really a great position for the National League, is it? So NL only drafts. You might ha- do you have to reach for McCann? A little bit. Um no. You yeah. you would have to, which is why oh, I would. don't advise doing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um all right, yeah, but a lot of these top catchers are, are in the AL. And the DH helps and being able to play first base helps. Mike Napoli hit three eighty three with a seven oh six slugging percentage after the all star break. He was third in head to head, he was second in Roto. Um and I think we talked enough about him. Let's talk Maurer and Posey. So Maurer, worst batting average, slugging percentage, and on base percentage of his career in eighty two games only in two thousand eleven. Uh so he's you know, not not exactly coming into this season 
with the right trends. Buster Posey played 45 games. And I know we all think about the injury, and he had that brutal injury, which he was kind of a baby about. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was. <laughs> How? How do you figure? Because there's no reason. Scott Cousins didn't do anything wrong. He, I, he I don't feel like he attacked Scott Cousins. Oh, uh, really? He did. <laughs> oh, he did. He? Oh, yeah. I thought it was more Bruce Bochy. Yeah, no, uh, Posey uh, the whole organization too. was a baby about okay. it. And, uh, <laughs> they were just one big collective baby. Posey like, refused to talk to Cousins, right? Wouldn't yeah. take his apology. Yeah. I think it's been worked out now, but yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, you it took know, a while. I understand heat of the, heat of the moment. You know, you're you're going to react a certain way. Anyway, Posey only hit four home runs in the 45 games he played. So in, t- on top of that, I, how concerned are you about those numbers? I am, a, I am a little bit concerned about that. And then the fact that you have the injury return on top of that just you know, really makes me very, very uh, reluctant to draft Posey. I probably won't this year. Um, and two years ago as a rookie, a lot of people were asking, where are these power numbers coming from? Because he wasn't really a great power hitting prospect. So the fact that he started off not with a lot of power last year yeah, it makes me a little skeptical. I want to see a little more from him once he's healthy. Yeah, I feel better about Maurer than Posey going into this year, partially because of that, partially because I feel like Maurer, his injury, it, it wasn't as significant, obviously. The Posey's at the end of a long road back, but the, it's still hard to tell how he's going to bounce back exactly. But Maurer, he came into last spring coming off knee surgery and just rushed back didn't have enough time to get in shape and and obviously dealt with the leg weakness at the beginning of the season um once he came back batting average wise he was the same as always his power was down uh but now that i think he's had an an off season to rest and recover i i i i kind of feel like we're going to see the mauer of old even in that ballpark though because that ballpark is well that uh, Mauer of old is in maybe the Mauer of two years ago, I guess I should say, as opposed to three years ago. Okay. Well, I, Miguel Montero, so here's a guy who was fifth in both formats last year. Do you consider him better than Mauer and Posey? I, I was going to say safer, but that was before the podcast. Now listening to you guys kind of downgrade these two, Mauer and Posey. I mean, is I, Montero better? I don't think better, but I do think safer, and that's why I would draft him before either Mauer or Posey. I wouldn't draft him before them, but I include him in the same tier because uh, I think you they lose the points for safety. Obviously, did I say so, Miguel Montero or Jose or Jesus? You said, I think said Miguel. Okay. You said Miguel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Miguel Montero in round nine or Joe Mauer in round seven? I would I would probably take Mauer, but it it, it honestly depends who else is there. Um, I could see other options I like better in the seventh round, and, and if that's the case, then I'll be happy taking Miguel Montero in the ninth. Posey in the fifth or Montero in the ninth? Well, Montero in the ninth because I already prefer Montero this year anyway, so <laughs> okay, that's, that's yeah. an easy one for How me. How about you? Yeah, that's, that's earlier than I would want to go on Posey for sure. All right. How about Matt Wieters? 22 home runs in 2011 doubled his 2010 total, and he was the sixth best catcher in both formats. And I, if I remember right, I think those all came, cl- not all, but a lot came clustered, and I think late in the year. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that matters, but I guess I'm still just a, a little bit skeptical, probably just because the breakout came a little bit later than I was anticipating it. Um, you it, know, it matters to me. Yeah. Because, particularly when you're talking about a young player, a guy who's still in, um, you know, just entering his prime. Obviously, if it 
there's such thing as a mid-season breakout. So if he finishes strong, that means more to me than starting strong. And uh, he finished strong. And, and I also like uh, his, his plate discipline was much better during that period where he was homering more at the end of the season. Um, and that's something he did during the minors when he was such a great prospect. So I, I think he's a Weeders is a potential breakout candidate. I wouldn't reach for him. But uh, that's another reason why I'd be just as happy with him as a Maurer or a, or a Posey or whoever else. Weeders in round eight or McCann in round five? Uh, I'd rather have McCann. I think I'd rather have Weeders. Weeders and yeah, Weeders. Some, something for everybody, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Russell Martin, ninth best catcher last year. Health kind of seems to be a big thing for him. He played hurt a lot last year. Bad batting average, two thirty-seven. Thoughts on Martin? I think he's better than most people think. He was very streaky last year, but it wasn't just. It wasn't just confined to one early hot streak. He he was up and down all year, and I think uh, that power is going to be fine at Yankee Stadium. Um, as long as you don't trust Martin, you're not counting on Martin for batting average. I think he's a, say, uh, a decent fallback option. It seems like he's falling late, which is why I've, it seems like I'm winding up with him in every league so far this year. Yeah, he <laughs> is. I mean, he's falling past the 15th round very so, late. I have a feeling even going forward, I'm probably going to have Russell Martin in a, in a few more leagues. The, the streakiness thing is is a reason why I'd be a little more afraid of him in head-to-head, but right. in Roto, he's fine. Uh, J.P. Aaron Sibia was the 10th best catcher last year in both formats. Talk about a batting average killer. He hit two nineteen, but 4th most home runs, 5th most RBIs last year amongst catchers, and that was with Victor Martinez, um, who had more RBIs. I don't think he had more home runs, though. No. Yep, that is J.P. Aaron Sibia, and uh, <laughs> I would like him a lot more if it weren't for the fact that Travis Darnot is uh, going to be in AAA, camped out. and uh, with a, a better hitter. Yeah, he is. Like, uh, the other thing about Aaron Sibia, he's 26 already. He's there's not much chance for him to get better. It's this is pretty much yeah. who he is, and you know he hit 199 over the final four months last year. So that's yikes. That's yeah. That makes it even more scary. Or How scarier. about um, Avila in round 10? I know Al's take answer on this, or Aaron Sibia in round 15. You should know my answer, too. Aaron Sibia is a bust in my mind. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I kind of did know that. Yadier Molina was the eighth-best catcher in head-to-head and seventh-best in roto. Drove in a career-high 65 last year. Now he got a nice contract. Yep, yep. And uh, I still think, all right, uh, spoiler alert, I think he's a sleeper this year because I think like Avila and like Martin, people just aren't buying what he did last year, maybe in terms of the power. But the the thing that I think that maybe is what people don't perceive about Molina is he's not that old. He's been around a long time, so maybe people think yeah. he's older than he is. But that a power breakout is something that you know can and often does happen in your in your late twenties. And I, I'm like buying twenty eight, right? Uh, I think it'll be twenty nine this year. Twenty nine, okay. How about Wilson Ramos? I know uh, Scott, you like Wilson Ramos. I do. Yeah, those fifteen homers and three hundred eighty three at bats or whatever it was says it all. Okay, Giovanni Soto. He had a regression last year. He batted two twenty eight. Can he bounce back? He can, but he is the anti Brian McCann, <laughs> Mister Inconsistent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like every other year with him. So right. Is this his good so, year? Is this his Aubrey Huff? This is the yeah. good. Year? This is the good year. So somebody's going to get a bargain in the late rounds. You know, if the pattern double, holds, yeah, double which, up. It's a good Aubrey Huff year too th- this year. So. I mean, it's an okay time to buy into him since nobody's buying into him. Uh, I I guess 
it, it makes him always a bust candidate when he's coming off a good year, but clearly that's not right now. I know. Here are two guys you disagree on. Salvador Perez of the Royals and Jonathan Lucroy of Milwaukee. Let's start with Perez, Al. It's hard not to like what he did last year with a very, very high batting average, and that's, that is his skill set. I mean, he's a really good contact hitter. Again, a lot of catchers are. Um, I just, it was a lot at a very young age um, and coming up the system very quickly for Perez. So I'm just for that reason alone, I'm skeptical. I love him long-term. I love what the Royals did with him, sign, signing him to an incredibly inexpensive long-term contract. Uh, and so I do love him for keeper leagues, but for this year, I, I do expect some regression. Yeah, I, I, I think those, those points are all valid and, and it, there, there was a chance for him to be a bus candidate coming into this year, but I feel like he's flasting long enough, falling far enough that he's not. And, and you know, looking at his track record, he's going to be one of the better sources of batting average at the catcher position. He is very young, but in my mind, he's the the fallback fallback option for me at this position, uh, with Wilson Ramos being the fallback option. Perez or Soto? Uh, I'd still say Soto. Soto. Yeah. Okay, Perez or Devin Masaraco? That's where I'd go slightly toward Perez because Masaraco might be, for any catcher, there's always a chance of a Matt Wieters-like adjustment period offensively uh, since defense is, is the most important aspect of that position. And plus, he's going to be in Wilson Ramos territory as far as not playing every day right away. I think he will by the end of the year, but not right away. And Jonathan Lucroy, Scott, what do you think about him? I I don't like him. <laughs> Al does. Um, I, I, I just think uh, a lot of what he did last year was confined to an early season hot streak, 310 in April and May, 246 the last four months. Um, and also crazy home road splits, 292 with an 804 OPS at home, 240 with a 608 OPS on the road. I don't know what's he likes so much about hitting in Miller Park, but... Obviously, those road games aren't going away. So, well, that was Milwaukee last so year. They were a great home team. Yeah, it's the sausages. <laughs> they steal signs. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do like Lucroy. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get crazy. I mean, not as a number one guy, but I'd be pretty happy getting him as a number two guy if, if the top options fall to the wayside, because I think he still has some untapped potential. Um, you know, the the power is not, never going to be great, but it's decent for a catcher. And then, meanwhile, I think he does have the potential to increase his batting average. I think what he did early last season is something that he could. Uh, approach over a longer period of time and he has some really he's shown some really good on base skills particularly in the minor leagues he's, he's still developing i think that he can still grow into a higher batting average and on base percentage lucroy or soto uh that eh. soto for me obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> wasn't yeah. asking you yeah <laughs> I, I think lucroy's a little safer i, I think i'll go, go lucroy okay lucroy or salvador perez well i took soto over perez so and I'm. This is a definitely this transitive right property here. Uh, yeah, you. Yeah, you're an e- <laughs> you're easy, <laughs> Mister Logic over here. Okay, so you said Lucroy. Yes, oh. I did. All right, let's go with uh, sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Scott, I'll let you start sleepers. Well, we've we've just talked a good bit about two of them, Salvador Perez and, and Devin Messarocco. So I'll 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 let them go. Uh, the third one I have is is Ryan Domit, who um, hit pretty well in Pittsburgh last season. In between injuries which is is was the story for him for most of his career in Pittsburgh but remember not that long ago we were talking about him as a top five or six guy at this position uh, so obviously a capable hitter now he's with the twins where he's going to play mostly DH also going to back up Joe Maurer and 
Justin Morneau and probably Josh Willingham even. So definitely chances for a bats there. More likely to stay healthy with the DH um, and I think could be a, a definite surprise in the late rounds. Al, sleepers? All right. Well, I've already talked about Russell Martin. Just seems to be falling like a like a rock. Um, and I don't think for good reason. I mean, yes, we know the health risks, but the power is legit, especially in, in Yankee Stadium. So, And I think the at-bats will be sufficient to use him as a low-end number one guy. Uh, and I talked about Yadier Molina, too. Again, I, I'm even more puzzled as to why he doesn't go earlier. Um, great bat or very good batting average maybe even great uh and some developing power there still and i'm gonna go super deep sleeper here josh donaldson who probably won't see much time behind the plate for oakland but could be their starting third baseman with scott sizemore out for the year and he's got some nice power and uh could also draw a lot of walks remind us uh, remind me we got to do a prospects podcast at some point after we do the position previews guys that we didn't have time to get to on the position previews but prospects you should know about going into draft day uh, by the way speaking of sleepers Al, on a quick side note here i nominated henderson alvarez last, <laughs> last uh, two days ago yeah in, when i had auction. like seven bucks to spend <laughs> yeah i thought <laughs> got, i thought you were gonna take them and you got outbid right uh, I didn't even enter the bidding because I, I literally, I think I had $7 at that point yeah. and I, and I needed an outfielder more than I needed a pitcher at that point. Well, you know so what happened? Did. Yeah. You know what happened there is, is Dave Richard, our football guy. He, he knew about your crush on Henderson Alvarez. So I know <laughs> yeah. he was involved in the bidding too. You did the same thing to me with Lucas Duda. And I think you ended up with him for $4. I I got him because yeah. of you. I mean, right. <laughs> I'm taking your well, that's advice. The thing. Well, that's the thing about auctions. I, I Because of the way you have to manage your money, um, I feel like you're actually more likely to get your sleepers in a draft than in an auction because by the time they're getting nominated in an auction, you, you're still trying to fill needs and you have to save dollars for that. And it you just got to pass on those guys as much as you hate it. Well, let's do breakouts now, Al. Breakouts at the catcher position. All right. Wilson Ramos. I think not a whole lot more to say there, but the power, we've already seen it. I think the batting average can improve, so that's going to be a, a, a good thing for his value. Um, and I mentioned Jonathan Lucroy, so I, I don't think I need to really go much farther there. And actually, that, those are my two biggest breakouts. Ramos and Lucroy. And Lucroy, yeah. Scott? Ramos and uh, Jesus Montero, who... You know, I really like what he did. It, it, I know it was a brief period of time when he was up, but it was so impressive. I think three of his four homers were opposite way and deep, deep, deep into the seats. What don't you like about him? It's just unproven. Yeah, unproven. Um, I worry a little bit about the the venue change, but not a lot. I, I think he's going to hit for power pretty much anywhere he plays. But I, I'd like to see it before I draft it. So you're not exactly down on him. No, I just I think. Look, if he falls, I'm I'm snapping him up, but I don't think he's going to fall in any drafts. Um, yeah, I don't uh, I don't know where he's going. I did not put his average draft position down. I'm not sure why that's, I did that. That's because on Mock Draft Central, he's a DH only guy. Oh, I see. But for that us, would be why. he's a catcher. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, all right, and busts, Scott. My busts are uh, JP Aaron Sibia. Um, and that's, that's pretty much all I have as a bust at this position. I, I feel like everyone else is appropriately valued. And, uh, we already talked a bunch about Aaron Sibio, so I guess I'll let Al take the floor. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll uh, have his, um, 
his uh, West Coast brother, Chris Iannetta. I thought you'd say him. Yep, another but I don't mind him with guy. a last round pick, and that seems well, to be where he's going. And I, you know, and I realize that yeah, you know, probably it is a, a little bit much calling him a bust because I don't think it's it's, it's going to be a surprise to anybody going from Coors Field to Anaheim that uh, Iannetta is going to lose a big part of his value um, because if he's not hitting home runs, he's he's really not doing very much for you, and I think he's going to see a big drop in home runs and batting average. Ready for some emails? Oh, I'm sorry. One more, too. Oh, Jared no, Salflamachia, uh, also sort of um, Aaron Sibia part two. Less so the all-or-nothingness of his uh, skill set, but that he's got uh, Ryan LaVarnway, uh, who is an equal, if not better, hitter uh, waiting in the wings. Oh, by the, I forgot about AL only and AL only. So we're looking at deep, deep guys here. Um, not going to necessarily be drafted in mixed leagues. Who do you like? LaVarnway is one guy in AL only. I think uh, there's a good chance he could... Uh, Get 250 at bat splitting time there with Salta Lamacchia. Might not make the opening day roster, but he'll be up eventually. I also like Tyler Flowers in the AL. I think uh, he's his power came back in the minors last year. He can draw walks, and, and A.J. Pierzynski's at the end of the line there uh, in Chicago. The White Sox are rebuilding. I think Flowers takes over eventually. In the NL, I like Will and Rosario, who's pretty much all power. Um, and, and I've kind of compared him to Rod Barajas in the past because he, he might be a 300 on base guy, but in Coors Field, power, uh, you know, eventually I think he's going to overtake Ramon Hernandez, so certainly in a worthy NL only guy. Al? Well, I mentioned Josh Donaldson. He certainly applies here. Um, a lot of the same guys that Scott mentioned, although I, I think I'd actually have a slight preference for Ramon Hernandez, the other half of that Colorado catching tandem, because I just think that they're going to walk uh, work rather Rosario in pretty slowly, and Hernandez is going to benefit from uh, playing in Coors Field. Uh, and I like Nick Hundley, too. Uh, you know, he was hurt last year, uh, missing time with injury, but uh, you know, showed a little bit of improvement when he did play. Now we're ready for emails. And by the way, Jesus Montero in our mock drafts went twelfth in the twelfth round in head to head, eighth in Roto. Does that seem right? Seem good? Yeah. Twelfth in Roto. Twelfth yeah, in head to head, eighth in Roto. Because you got the two catcher spots to fill in Roto, I think that makes sense. Emails. Here we go. Fantasy baseball at cbsinteractive.com. Here's Michael. Gentlemen, and I use that term loosely. Joining a new league this year. They play, and we get this question a lot, and I know we've answered it a number of times, but let's do it again. They play head-to-head categories, but rosters are very – oh, actually, this is slightly different. Head-to-head categories league, mm. but rosters are very roto-like with a middle infielder, corner infielder, utility, and five outfielders. How should I approach my draft? More like roto or head-to-head? Well, it uses categories like roto. It uses a lineup like roto. Smells like roto. <laughs> yeah. Like roto. I, pretty much all category leagues I approach more like roto. Other than accounting more for injury risk, I I don't really make any adjustments from my roto strategy. No, but wait, I thought we said if you play in a in a head-to-head categories league and it's a head-to-head format with three outfielders and no middle infielder or corner infielder. Oh well, yeah. Then you prioritize pitching. No, like you would in a head-to-head league. I don't remember saying that. Did you I, say that? I think one of us did. That's, no. <laughs> I All right, which is what I, but, uh, what I thought we were operating well, You pr- prioritize it more <laughs> because you don't need as many hitters. You prioritize yeah. it as you would in a head-to-head league. I, I mean, I still I go hitter-heavy anywhere. But but, you do, yes. But, but, but you're more pitcher-heavy in a head-to-head league than a roto league, right, as yeah, a general rule. Yeah, I, 
I, w- I would go a little earlier for a pitcher in a head-to-head than Roto, yes. And if it was a head-to-head categories league... And it used the smaller yeah. roster sizes where there's fewer hitter spots to fill, yes, I could see that also. But I don't think it would change my draft approach as dramatically as you're making it sound like. I, okay. I, I think for the most part I would draft kind of like I do in Roto. Okay. Al? Yeah, I would say, right. say the same. Okay, then. Here's Doug, who recently discovered... Um, our podcast. Been listening because my sources of fantasy baseball knowledge from previous years had led me astray. Here we go. I need some keeper advice. 10-team Roto League, 5x5 five five auction format, $260 budget. I'm allowed to keep three. Uh, here we go. Miguel Cabrera for $37. Prince Fielder for 17 Jose Reyes for 17 Justin Upton for 17 Mike or John Carlos Stanton for 9 <laughs> Starlin... Startle Insanity Castro for one, and Madison Bumgarner for one dollar. So again, it's uh, Miguel Cabrera for thirty-seven, Fielder for seventeen, Reyes seventeen, Justin Upton seventeen, Stanton nine, Castro one, Bumgarner one. Pick three. This is legitimately yeah difficult. I, my my advice is trade for another keeper slot because you need <laughs> you need four Cabrera, Fielder, Upton, and Stanton. But now I'll get serious and right. try to figure out who to weed out. Probably between Upton and Fielder. See, I don't even. Uh, I don't even have the same group of four there. I go fielder for sure, $17. He's potentially a $30 guy or more. So, yeah. Upton, I think 17 you also have to keep. I, I saw Reyes immediately at 17 and thought that was definitely worthwhile, but Starling Castro 1 is better to me, so I would keep Starling Castro probably as my third, even though I think Mike Stanton at 9 is a good value and the Madison Bumgarner at 1 is a good value. Uh, I think Fielder, Upton, Castro makes the most sense to me. I'm going Cabrera, Upton, Stanton. <laughs> wow. Why Cabrera? That's. I think you could, if not 37, you can get him back for 39 and or 40. And, it's a and that, ten, 10 team league. Eh. I don't know. I think that's that's a pretty good bargain for the guy that we're rating number one this year. And yes, it's a keeper league, but I mean, first and foremost, I played for this year, and I think that's a bargain. That's a bargain price on him, even more so I think than Fielder at seventeen. Hmm. And then you know, and then Upton and Stanton, I think in a year or two are going to be elite guys. I don't. I don't disagree with the logic, but I think with these specific dollar values. Yeah, it it just depends a lot on the way the people in your auction auction. If they go fifty dollars for guys like Cabrera, then yeah. But if if they go forty dollars for guys like Cabrera, well, I'm thinking in a ten team league, fifty is very likely. <laughs> okay. Next email from Chad in Cedar Grove, New Jersey. I'm in a different spin to fantasy baseball where you have a roster of seven guys, and based on last year's home run totals, you have to stay under the listed team cap. My roster is pretty much set. However, I wanted to see your thoughts on the players below to see who eludes the most potential. Last year's homers are to the right of... Okay, so sorry about that. A-Rod, 16... I, I'm not quite sure what the question is. Are you? Who's going to exceed last year's home run totals? A-Rod, 16. Weeks, Ricky Weeks, 20. Hosmer, 19. Butler, 19. Hayward, 14. Uh, are we picking three? Or... Or just the just one, a, whoever, whoever. I would say Hosmer is one for me, Hayward two, and Weeks three, and uh, then Arod and Butler at sixteen and nineteen. I mean, I could see Arod exceeding it, but I don't trust him to stay healthy, so I'd I'd leave him out. To me, Hayward is number one, big margin. All right, let's go to 
Justin in New York. I see a lot of rankings out of Ellsbury ahead of Cargo and Upton. I don't think the home run home runs will be there this year. Is he really better than the two others without all the home runs? And my sneaky answer to this is that I believe enough in the home runs that that's relevant. Now, without the home runs, I would not rank him ahead of Cargo or Upton, but I do think that uh, we're looking at another 30 home run season. Dave Randolph in Cloverdale, California. I have Bryce Harper as a free keeper in my 10-team 5x5 mixed league, thinking of trading him to a fellow league owner in exchange for Mike Trout. The reason is this. Going beyond the stats, I feel Harper's seemingly arrogant attitude is going to hurt his development while Trout's behavior is going to enhance his. Am I putting too much emphasis on this, and what do you think of the trade offer? So he'd be giving up Harper to get Trout. Yes, you're putting too much emphasis on it. Um, he's a teenager. He's the most hyped teenager on the planet right now. No, in sports, I guess I should say. That's yeah, fair, Justin right? Bieber turned 18 yeah. today, actually. Yeah, so obviously there's people like that, <laughs> but in sports. And I only knew that because I heard it on the radio. So everything he gets is magnified. Everything he does is magnified, and it's it's really. I don't think it, there's been anything that over the top for him. That yeah, dude, LeBron James is, was a was a like kind of cocky teenager too. He's yeah. still the best. So you guys like Harper better than Trout? Don't do it. Certainly, long term, I like him a little more for this year too. I think Al likes Trout a little more this year. Yeah, long term, I'd say it's probably about a push. Uh, I don't think it's a bad trade. I don't think it's a great trade. I think I, it's okay. I, I, I like Harper more. I think I think he's. Safe. The chances of being him, a super, him being a superstar are safer when I could see Trout being uh, on maybe another Hunter Pence. Ooh, yeah, not that. I, I, I think it's possible. <laughs> well, obviously that's a good player still, <laughs> right? But uh, I, I, I think uh, just looking at his peripherals, looking at his strengths and weaknesses, it wouldn't surprise me if that's the kind of player he became ultimately. And since it is his birthday, guys, favorite Justin Bieber song. Uh, I don't know if this is embarrassing or, or a badge any. of honor, but I don't know any either. Okay. I knew the stupid one he did that had Usher in the video. I cannot think of it right now. But they're all great. We can oh, all really? Agree, right? No, I don't know. Do you want him on this podcast? No, is I that why you're I, saying I, that? I don't. Not at all. Um, okay. I know he has a song called Baby, I think. Yeah. Right? I, that does. I think I, I've heard the chorus to that before. Oh, the song. Baby, I, baby, baby, oh. Yeah, the yeah. song is oh, great. One. Well-written song. Uh, <laughs> the one I knew was like One or One Love or something like that. Not the U2 song. I was going to say that's U2. No, yeah, not Metallica. Which is a very good U2. song. That's a great song. Outstanding. One of the best. All right, we're done for today. I love at the end we always end up talking about movies, music, whatever. We're done for today. We'll be back next week with three more previews. Hope you're enjoying them, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>